Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along today with us as we get in the Word of God, talk about it, allow it to change our lives. I bet you're concerned about the moral decline in our country that we've seen over our lifetime. A friend of mine once said years ago, this was in the 1990s, and he was actually quite a, a, um, he's a political pundit, quite an influential man in Washington, D.C., and he made a comment. He said that he'd seen the destruction of 2,000 years of Christian culture in one generation. He was speaking of the sexual revolution and how our country had abandoned and rejected the concept of family and, and what the family taught and how sex should be reserved for the family, and that these seeds of destruction were already in our, our culture and had, had been successful. And my goodness, that was almost 30 years ago, and how much further we have declined since then. It's staggering when you consider what's being taught in our school, these drag queens being uh, taught to the, shown to the kids, on and on and on, the laws that have been changed. Those of us who love the Lord and understand what's right and true according to a biblical standard and want to hold on to it, we can be shocked, we can be dismayed, we can be discouraged, we can wonder what's happening. It comes to the place where sometimes we say, how do we protect the church and how do we protect our own family? I'd like to talk today about the church and the church protecting itself from allowing the the cultural influences that have become evil, that exchanged evil for good and darkness for light, and celebrate what is what the Bible calls as perverse and wrong, how do we prevent that from in, uh, coming into our churches? And there's a chapter that we all ought to be aware of. If you're a pastor in particular, I encourage you to prayerfully consider this and think about how this chapter relates to the way your church is functioning. And I don't say this to cause anyone to be uh, judgmental towards your church, but rather to convict all of us and to challenge all of us. Sometimes maybe even difficult changes need to be made before the Lord. Let's read a chapter that is not you know, the most popular chapter in the Bible, and often don't even hear talked about that often. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and sexual immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, namely, that someone has his father's wife. Here it was in the church, the church in Corinth. Someone was living in sexual immorality. He was actually involved sexually with his father's wife, probably a stepmother. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. What an interesting comment here that they had become arrogant. They, they were allowing this person to stay in the church, <clears throat> even though everybody knew he was involved in this act of, of, of immorality. They were allowing him to stay in the church. And Paul says, you're arrogant. You, you think you're, you're so great. I would assume that we're wonderful. We're forgiving. We can overlook these things because we're so godly. We're so good. We're so loving. And he says that rather what you should do is you should be mourning Mourning that this sin has infiltrated your church. Mourning that something that God would condemn as being so wrong, you're overlooking it and doing nothing. And what does he say? This person should re be removed from your midst. Wait a minute, you say. Isn't the church open to everybody? Shouldn't everybody be allowed to come to church? Isn't the church a place for sinners? Isn't the church a place where, where a, a person seeking help 
and exploring Christ can come no matter what their sin, no matter what their background. Don't we want to make it safe and comfortable for them to come to the church and understand and and find Christ? And isn't that what Jesus taught? I mean, didn't Jesus teach that we should leave the 99 righteous and and, and search of the one stray sheep? Isn't there more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous that need no repentance? All those things are, it's certainly true what Jesus taught, no doubt about it. And, And as a church, we should be seeking the lost. But notice here, he's not talking about going out and finding the stray sheep. He's talking about that sheep being in your church and being there evidently non-repentant. This fellow was non-repentant. He was engaging in gross sexual immorality. Everybody knew it, and it didn't seem like he minded and was going to stop. And so the church was, he, Paul is, is upset with him. This person should be put out of your midst. They shouldn't be allowed to be in your church. Let's keep reading. For I, in my part, though absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this, as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to turn such a person over to Satan for the destruction of his body, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord." What's he talking about here? Paul judged this guy? I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Well, evidently, we'll see a little bit more about this in just a moment. But yes, in the church, we're to be ju- we are to judge. It doesn't mean we're to be judgmental, critical, always fault-finding and finger-pointing. But when there's overt sin of this nature, <clears throat> excuse me, when there's overt sin of this nature, you're not to overlook it. And part of the reason here, what he's saying is, that this person's soul is in danger. This person's soul is in danger. And he says that by judging them and making a stand against them and putting them out of me, removing them from the church and actually delivering them over to the evil one, our enemy, to, to destroy his flesh is what he says, his that this will bring them, this hopefully will bring them to a place of humility and brokenness and salvation in the day of Christ. This is what matters. Not whether the person feels comfortable now, not how big your church attendance is now. What matters is we want this person saved on the final day. And that's what he's he's this course of action is designed to do that. Continuing to read. Your boasting is not good, he says. How are they boasting? They were allowing this person to remain in the church. The person with overt sin was still in the church. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? And this is the point I want to make today. If the church desires to stay pure, if the church wants to make sure that what has happened in our culture, the turning of uh, embracing of evil for good, the exchange of darkness for light, if the church wants to protect itself about that, it must make sure that no leaven is leavening the dough. A little leaven leavens the dough. Not everybody in the Corinth church was sleeping with their father's wife. Not everyone was engaging in sexual immorality. But he was warning that if you don't take a stand here and remove this person from your midst, this 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 compromise with sin, this 
leaven of sexual immorality is going to invade the entire lump. Dare I say, I see churches where this has already happened. In our culture today, I see churches that have that that took no stand, no strong stand, and the whole lump has been invaded. I know of a church several in our in our city, actually quite a large, prominent church in in Columbus, Ohio area, and they had they were dealing. This was fifteen years ago or so. They were dealing with this subject of allowing gay marriage in the church, and some of the church elders, not all of them, but some of them wanted to speak to me. And they took me out to breakfast one morning and were asking, they'd heard that I have thought about this issue quite a bit, and they're asking me what I thought about it. And, and uh, I was showing them the scripture about marriage and what is a marriage and what does the Bible say about marriage, and they were saying, yes, we're going to stand firm on that. And then one of them made a comment. He said, you know, we really aren't bigots. I mean, everybody knows our, our, our choir director is a, is a homosexual man, a gay man, and we love him, we accept him. And, and that's fine. We're okay with that. It's just we don't want marriage. And I said, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You guys have already lost the battle. You're, t- you're, you're way downstream. You, you neglected 1 Corinthians 5. You neglected to take the leaven out. You allowed the leaven into your church with a openly practicing homosexual leader in your church. Well, you're talking about gay marriage. You're just downstream. You lost the battle back then. The little your, your lump's been leavened now. You're gonna if you take a stand now, it's gonna rock your whole church because you compromised way back earlier. You see that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, and when sin is allowed in the church, it leavens the lump. Now you might say, wait a minute, we're all sinners. Well, well, we'll talk about this in just a second. We're not talking about someone who's struggling, someone who's genuinely repentant, someone who acknowledges their sin and is really seeking in the power of God to overcome it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about here unrepentant sin. The man in 1 Corinthians 5 and the guy, the, the choir director in this church that was talking, they weren't repentant over their sin. They didn't think there's anything wrong with it. They thought they were fine, and everybody knew they were fine, and Although they may not everybody agreed with it, they didn't want to become judgmental. And Paul says that it was arrogant. Your boasting is not good. Keep reading. For Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Next verse, continuing on. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. All right, that's what he said. Don't associate with sexually immoral people. Now, folks, we live in the time of the sexual revolution. Our country is three generations in now to the sexual revolution. Sexual immorality has been, it's no longer judged. You know, when I was born, when I was born, 38 states, I think it's 38 states in America, it was illegal to engage in adultery. And now that's not illegal anymore. It's not even a problem. As a matter of fact, it's widespread. In many cases, it's, it's kind of um, many people celebrate it and, and, and enjoy it, talk about it's fine. Even in the church now, it's often winked at. I wrote to you not, how can you do this? Not to associate with sexually immoral people. Well, Paul explains, I did not at all mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or the greedy and swindlers or the idolaters, for then you would have to leave the world. 
But actually, what I wrote to you is not to associate with any so-called brother if he is sexually immoral person or a greedy person or an idolater or a verbally abusive or habitually drunk or swindler, not even to eat with such a person. You see, Paul is making a distinction here between those who name the name of Christ, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a brother in Christ, and yet is engaging in obvious, clear, uh, overt uh, sin, whether sexual nature or a a swindler, a thief, a drunkard, these other things. Again, it's not, he's not talking about a person who's repentant and seeking help in the church. We welcome that, but he's talking about a non-repentant, a person who's involved in these life-dominating and and actions. This is not like he's struggling in his thought life or struggling with some desires in the heart. These are choices made to commit sinful acts and to continue in them. He says, don't even eat with such a one. If they're non-Christian, that we're out there to reach them. But if they're in the church, we don't even, we remove from our midst, we don't even eat with such a one. For what business of mine is it to judge outsiders? Do not judge those who are within the church, but, but those who are outside God judges. Remove the evil person from among yourselves. Brothers and sisters, we gotta be honest about something. In our churches today, we've become far too accepting of, the, of unrepentant sinners in the church and far too judgmental of those who are outside the church. We've got it just wrong. Those who are outside the church, God is judging. Those who are outside the church in our culture, we go win them. We want to win them to Christ. We want to help them find Christ. God will judge them. But inside the church, this is our responsibility to protect and keep the church pure and to keep the church unleavened, that lump of dough unleavened. This is so important. And I just got to be honest, I don't see it happening very often in churches anymore. I don't see it happening. I don't see very many churches that are removing overt wicked people from their midst. And I hear more and more of people who are celebrating when when, uh, unrepentant, sinful people come and check out the church not realizing how this can be leavening. Now, I'm all for reaching the lost. I think I have a pretty good track record of going out to reach the lost. I think I have a pretty good track record of of showing compassion and love and concern and, and speaking to people and giving any lost person the chance and not giving up on them. There's hope for any lost person to be saved. I do think I've got a pretty good track record of that. But my concern is that in the, in the time when we see our culture degrading and, and, and rejecting Christian standards and embracing ungodly standards so quickly, and I see it affecting our churches, and I see it affecting our families, I've been concerned for quite some time that we need to be protecting what we already have. Yes, we, and how do we do this? We don't invite the leaven into the church, into our home but we go out to them, we go to their turf, we go to reach the lost where they're at. And we must do this, and we must be aggressive in it. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to the church, we must protect the integrity and the righteousness and the holiness. This is God's church. Our churches belong to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. He tells us, keep that lump pure. Now again, I'm not saying this to encourage a there's a right balance here. On one side, we are so grace-oriented, we accept everything, everyone, everything with zero standards. 
On the other side, we can be judgmental, critical, and, and all that will encourage is hypocrisy because people who are struggling with something would never want to be open and share it because, because of the way they'll be treated. There's a right balance where we have both grace and truth, where we stand for what's true and right in a heart of compassion and kindness, but we've got to do both. Yes, stand for, be a grace-filled person, but stand in the truth. Yes, stand in the truth, but do so with grace and mercy. Keep our churches holy. Keep our churches pure. Our churches are the last institution in America that is maintaining godly standards. And believe me, people who are ungodly are coming for our churches. They've got many of them already. They're probably coming for yours. You better stand firm and be strong because remember, it's God's church. We're the bride of Christ. It's not your church. It's not my church. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we bless you today and we thank you for who you are. You're our rock. We stand on you. You're our refuge. You're our protector. You're our shield. You're everything we need. We want to be faithful to you. We want to love you. We want above all, we want to love you. Oh, Father, give us a heart to, to seek out that lost sheep, that one that's gone astray. Give us that heart. And yet, Lord, also help us to know how to protect the church. Help us to know how to guard the church from the leaven that would come in. Pre protect us from celebrating those people who actually are leaven and who are actually destroying the church. Might your church be salt and light, strong, dynamic. We are, we believe, Lord, we, what, like in the New Testament days and much of history, we believe, Lord, the church is the one light in a darkened world. And I pray we'd shine brightly. I pray you'd give our leaders, our pastors, our elders in strength and courage to obey 1 Corinthians chapter 5, to understand how to apply it in their church. I pray, Lord, we'd not be afraid of standing up against what's evil in our church. Help us, Father, to be less judgmental of those outside the church, but maintain stronger standards within. Help us, Lord, not to expect the unbelievers to be living like Christians, but help us, Lord, to expect the Christians to be living like Christians. And I pray we'd be a place of encouragement, strength, salvation, refuge to all who are repentant and truly seeking you. We pray your churches would be dynamic and places and places the body of Christ would make a difference in our world. All oh, might we be leading people to Christ. Help us, Lord, to be taking the gospel to their turf. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, folks. Hey, this is a powerful message today. I think this is something that we've not been obeying by and large in the Christian world. You might want to share this message with your pastor and ask him to take a look at it and to consider it. And I and I want you to be I want you to be careful with your pastor, not to be judgmental, because this is very very easy to uh, this is very very difficult passage, very very difficult thing to navigate through. It takes great wisdom, and you don't apply First Corinthians five without great fear of God, great love for God, great love for people. But it is important we don't take this chapter out of the Bible, or our churches will be leavened. And if that happens. It's all over. It's all over. It really is. So might the church of God be strong. Might you and I be strong. If you're here with us today for the first time, welcome. We come and get in the Word every single day, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, live. 
but you can also watch the video anytime throughout the day. It's, and I never take them down. Or you can uh, listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. Just search for Tom the Preacher. If you're new, I hope you do subscribe and come back and join us regularly. If you're here, welcome. You know I love you guys. I'm so glad that you're part of this community. We're day by day. God knows we're here. God sees we're showing up because we want to grow. And I'm so glad to have the privilege of sharing God's word with you. God bless you. You have a blessed day. Be strong. Be holy. Be loving. Be courageous. Be filled with faith. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. Bye-bye.